as we begin, uh, a man came home from work and found his five children outside, still in their pajamas, playing in the mud. With empty food boxes and wrappers strewn around the garden, the door of his wife's car was open, as was the front door to the house, and no sign of the dog. Walking in the door, he found an even bigger mess. A lamp had been knocked over, the throw rug was against one wall, in the front room, the TV was on loudly with the cartoon channel. The family room was strewn with toys and various items of clothing in the kitchen. Dishes filled the sink. Breakfast food was spilled on the counter. The fridge door was open wide. Dog food was spilled on the floor. A broken glass lay under the table and a small pile of sand was spread back by the back door. He quickly headed up the stairs, stepping over toys and more piles of clothes, looking for his wife. He was worried she might be ill or that something serious had happened. He was met with a small trickle of water as it made its way out the bathroom door. As he peered inside, he found wet towels, scummy soap, and more toys strewn over the floor. Miles of toilet paper lay in a heap and toothpaste had been smeared all over the mirror and walls. As he rushed to the bedroom, he found his wife still curled up in the bed in her pajamas, reading a novel. She looked up at him, smiled, and asked how his day went. He looked at her bewildered and asked, what happened here today? She again smiled and answered, you know every day when you come home from work and you ask me, what in the world do I do all day? Yes, he was his incredulous reply. She answered, well today, I didn't do it. I'll leave the remarks to you guys, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. I pray, Lord, that we would be found rejoicing in it because your grace is greater than our sin. And Lord Jesus, you are risen, you are on your throne, you are interceding for your people, and you are coming again. I pray, Lord, that uh, both conviction and comfort would be ours in this hour because of the grace that is ours in Christ alone. The love that you have shown us is unspeakable. And so I pray, Lord, that our, our hearts, our lips, our lives would respond with gratitude today as we hear from this hour and the next hour from the truths of your word. It's in your name we pray, amen. So with that introduction, I would like us to read um, something that comes alongside that, which is God's divine word, if you have your Bibles open to Proverbs chapter 31. And the title of our, our time this morning is The Godly Woman from A to Z. Proverbs chapter 31, beginning in verse one. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. What, O my son? And what, O son of my womb? And what, O son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink, for they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to him whose life is bitter. 
Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. An excellent wife, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hands to the poor and stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. This is God's word. Just real briefly on the author, our text says that these are the words of King Lemuel, which his mother taught him. And then it seems he arranges his mother's wise advice in poetic form. In fact, uh, most literal Bible translations will have it in the Hebrew language, Proverbs 31 verses 10 to 31 is an acrostic. Each verse begins with a different character in the Hebrew alphabet, beginning with Aleph and ending with Tav. This facilitated memorization by the Jewish children to help them. And his name, Lemuel, literally means for God or devoted to God. Now, the truth is, is we don't know much about this King Lemuel, but we do know, according to our text this morning, that he was a king, he had a wise mother, and he wrote some poetry. It's about the extent. But here's the great wonder. The overwhelming majority of Bible scholars have concluded that Lemuel is actually King Solomon, and you think, oh yeah, I can see that because most of the other problems are Solomon. But if that's the case, then the mother referred to here in this text would be who? What's that? Bathsheba. If that is the case, it would be her. And you can especially see that right at the outset in the beginning of Proverbs 31, especially as she's warning him right up front about don't give yourself to women. 
We know that story and we don't need to go down that route this morning. Do not give your excellence to women or your ways to that which blots out kings. Sounds a little familiar with King David and and Bathsheba and what happened to the kingdom thereof. So it could be that Lemuel was a pet name, a nickname for Solomon used by his mother as a tender address and that Solomon wrote down her wise advice in the manner in which she would have expressed it. So as we've seen the past five weeks, as we've been in the Proverbs, the reward for finding wisdom is life, but the consequence of choosing folly is death. Solomon lays out this choice, this ending choice as we come to the end of Proverbs between wisdom and foolishness throughout the book of Proverbs and all these wise sayings culminates in one wise choice for his son to choose an excellent wife. And so with with that in mind, we're just going to make some observations this morning and we're not going to dive too far into detail throughout this passage. We're just going to sort of fly by it and make some observations of the Proverbs 31 woman this morning. Number one, we see that she's valuable. Verse 10, she's valuable. Why is this woman of such high Worth. How, how can her value be far more precious than jewels which were so hard to find? Well, the author, who is ultimately the Holy Spirit, presents her case, his case in her title and then the detailed description of that title which flows. And the title is an excellent wife, but the Hebrew translation is the term for warrior, warrior. This term used here is filled with tons of military overtones. In fact, just a skimming by this chapter, you'll see all the military undertones and overtones. So it can be translated as the virtuous woman because it's in reference to strength, force, power, bravery, courage, and summing it all up, valor. She's a woman of valor. So wisdom portrayed and personified as a woman of valor. It's much like Proverbs chapter eight, where where you'll see wisdom in its fullness being referred to as a she, right? But we ultimately know that in 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ became to us the wisdom of God for the salvation and sanctification of our souls. So we know that ultimately, And take joy and comfort in this, ladies, this morning. Ultimately, this passage is pointing us to Christ. That's who it's ultimately pointing. Because some of us might be, women might be sitting back here and say, whoa, I've fallen way short of that. I didn't do verse 17. I'm doing really bad on verse 19. If you had that approach, please stop right now. (laughs) Stop right now in your heart and mind, okay? This is... Wisdom portrayed and personified as a woman of valor. And this is the same term that was used of Ruth. Boaz described her as a virtuous, worthy woman in Ruth 3.11. She was devoted and faithful. She worked hard and took the initiative and she was literally, literally praised in the gates in Ruth 4.11. 
11. The elders of the city even said, she will be renowned in Bethlehem. So this question of who can find one? Who can find an excellent wife? implies that there is to be a careful search. It indicates that the reader here ought to look long and hard to find such a wife. Now, men, some of us here did that. Some of us haven't done that, and we've still gotten lucky. Can't use that word, I know. (laughs) And we'll see what the true answer to that is here in a moment. It has nothing to do with luck. But it's also interesting to see, just in modern terms, how, how people find each other online today, and they have these descriptions and, 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 and how they're supposed to funnel down into this, this paradigm of who someone is looking for, and it's quite amazing. And some of you here this morning have even done that. Praise the Lord for that common grace of the century that we live in. And we have to see also that this implies that a woman who is more prized than rubies is one with godly traits that are, indeed, rare and valuable and will far outlast jewels and is far more significant than the precious of jewels. And so we see the first characteristic of this woman of valor being, point two, she's trustworthy. She's valuable, okay? Just by the grace of God and by being made in the likeness and the image of God, there's a, there's a up forewarning of the rarity of this woman, she's valuable, and in verses 11 to 12, we see that she's trustworthy. (laughs) And how, how godly of a description of such a woman right at the outset of our passage here. The whole of her husband can trust her. He lacks nothing. She does him good, not evil, all her days. And this ancient poem written some 3,000 years ago breaks the modern stereotype of women. She makes do with whatever her husband provides, Proverbs 31:11. She makes do with it. A, a wise woman can make a little go a long way, whereas the foolish woman, as we see throughout the Proverbs, can waste even a large income. David Thomas says, quote, Her management is so skillful, industrious, and economic that her husband has no temptation to go out of his way to dishonest gain in order to increase his resources. Many a husband has been prompted to deeds of dishonesty through the indolence and extravagance of the partner of his life, end quote. So instead of doing that, the scripture says she does good for her husband. And and notice it says all her days that this is the pattern of her life, this is the habit of her life. Whether it's in sickness or in health, whether they're rich or they're poor, she's not one who cares also uh, more about her mother. She doesn't care more about her friend or some coworker than her husband. Her heart instead is set on him and on his welfare. She takes her calling as helper, Genesis 2.18, very seriously. And as we see even through this passage, very joyfully. A good, supportive, trusting wife is a blessing to a man. Right, men? Right. (laughs) A woman who partners with her husband 
who is reliable and looks out for his interests gives a man a security that is greatly lacking in the world. And the truth is, is she can be trusted by her husband because her first love is God. That's why. And the reason that she is in subjection to her husband is because she trusts in God and walks in the Lord Jesus' way. 1 Peter 3, verse five. She is faithful to her husband because she fears God and thus takes the marriage vows seriously. So, this woman, in our eyes, as far as how we're thinking of ourselves, She's not sinless, but she's devoted. She's trustworthy. She's dependable. And she's certainly not the contentious, argumentative, nagging woman often mentioned throughout the Proverbs, right? Proverbs 19, Proverbs 21, Proverbs 25. Like I was going through the Proverbs. The contentious woman like, is like a, like a constant dripping to where he then says, you're gonna have to probably go to the corner of your house for a while and pray for her and come back and show her the love of God if there's this constant nagging argumentativeness about her. There's that warning throughout the Proverbs there and that instruction there. But again, wisdom is portrayed and personified as a woman of valor. Wisdom is always seen in actions and in right living. Wisdom is always seen in actions and right living. And already we see this woman putting into practice all the themes of the book of Proverbs. And we see that in our next point. Number three, she's hard working. You see that theme all throughout the Proverbs. The, the sluggard versus the hard worker, verses 13 to 16 of our text. She has enthusiasm and skill in her work. Wool is the product of sheep's hair. Flax is a plant used to make linen. So the verse literally speaking of spinning and weaving, turning fibers into threads. Now, that's not so much a, a modern day um, thing for us moms to be making all of the clothing in the homes for our sons and daughters but it certainly was not strange to antiquity. This was normal, this was common, and this was hard work. In fact, it's, it's, it's funny, the more I talk with, with others, how, how much of this is actually still happening in your homes today as gifts to others and even clothing for your children. It's, it's absolutely amazing, it blows me away. But the point is here is she's not afraid of work. She isn't lazy. She gets up and she gets things done. She's the opposite of the sluggard mentioned in the Proverbs. In fact, wisdom rebukes the foolish sluggard and sends that lazy man to learn from an ant. Proverbs chapter six, verses six to eight, where Solomon says to his son, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no chief, no officer, no one to tell her what to do, she gets up and she does it. <laughs> It's incredible. So, if you're struggling with laziness, any of us here this morning, go study the ant. Go study the ant. And verse 13 says she works with, with her hands. You see this a lot 
throughout this, this section of scripture. Her hands, she works with her hands in delight. In other words, willingly, willingly. And if this is the spirit-filled disposition flowing from her heart to her hands, that means she's not grumbling or complaining about her work in finding the necessary resources for her family. And this simile used saying here that she's like a merchant ship implies that her provisions for the family come with both regularity and effort. Regularity and effort. Why? Because as the merchant ships would come in, there would be a consistency, they would come to the port, they would drop off the goods, and you'd see it again next week. Effort and regularity. She even brings her food from afar, our text says. This could also imply purchasing good quality food for the family. It implies even going a distance, a far away to make that bargain, (laughs) to get that better deal. So notice here, as we keep moving to verse 15, she not only gets it all, she preps it and serves it in verse 15. She rises also when it is still night, early, early, early morning, and gives food to her household and portions even to her maidens. Wow. But, but then, notice in verse 16, she doesn't just restrict herself to the bare necessities of life. She's able to procure some of its comforts as well. So she, you know, plants a vineyard, it says. She plants a vineyard. Isaiah chapter five, verse two, if you wanna look that up sometime, explains what kind of hard work that was to plant a vineyard. And so she did it. And it's used that vineyard for everything from beverage to medicine to sacrifice to the Lord. Absolutely incredible. So this woman of valor is savvy enough to scope out a field, (laughs) careful in purchasing it, and with her forward thinking combines both her creativity with hard work. That brings us to number four. She's strong, I think as we can see here already, she's strong and compassionate, verses 17 to 20. This strength that she has is, as we've seen, used for productive purposes. And the idea of girding oneself literally means setting a strengthening belt around the midsection. It means to get ready for some kind of heroic or difficult action, such as hard running, like Elijah outran Ahab in 1 Kings 8, 1846, or girding yourself also like the Lord told Israel for them to escape Egypt, it's gonna be a hard, difficult task. Gird yourself, get ready. You have to protect your back, protect your midsection. This is gonna be hard, let's do it. And any kind of physical labor. So notice she's so humbly confident in her work for the household that she, in verse 18, senses. The Hebrew word there is she savors and tastes it, that her gain is good. That there's a joyful, fulfilled heart for the work that she does for the benefits of her family. Food, clothing, beyond. 
Right, ladies? There's that fulfilled joy in doing such work. And from her heart to her hands, we see that she's so into caring for her family that she has added securities to her home, so much so that she has enough oil to keep the lamp burning all night long. And again, her strength and compassion in verses 19 and 20 with the use of the rod and the spindle to make clothing, her outstretched hands. How beautiful. And her compassion even spills over to the poor and needy. She uses her in-home industry, so to speak, in charitable ways. So this is exploding. This is overflowing. She is strength and compassion in action. This brings us to number five. She's prepared and blessed. Verses 21 to 23. She's ready for all kinds of challenges and adversities. This woman of valor has labored so much so that her family is set for the winter. She knows that they'll be kept warm. And it's interesting, this word scarlet here, we might be thinking of the color, but in Hebrew, because of the plural ending, it can have another meaning referring to double thickness. Because you see, well, they're gonna be warm because they're clothed in scarlet, and the color has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with being doubly thick. And then in verse 22, she makes tapestry coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple for the purpose of her home, the purpose of herself there and her loyalty there, not like the harlot of, of Proverbs 5 and 6 and 7 where she had mixed linen colors and prepared her bed for the one she would have adultery with. No. This is fine linen and purple for her. And to produce that red dye was costly because it comes from a seashell off the Phoenician coast and so it connotates wealth and luxury. So, Any sort of clothing, I think we get this, is a grace blessing of God because of sin. We see that back in Genesis 2, 3, let alone the fine linens of silk and purple. So with God's blessing on her wisdom and diligence, the virtuous wife here makes good things for herself and enjoys personal marks of God's material blessing on her family. So with that, ladies, enjoy. Enjoy God's blessings there. Another blessing on herself and her family is that her husband is esteemed and honored among the elders of the land, in the city gates, in the public places. He's known, and he's especially known because of of her. Adam Clark explains it this way, quote, she is a loving wife and feels for the respectability and honor of her husband. He is respected not only on account of the neatness and cleanliness of his person and dress because of her, but because he is the husband of a man who was justly held in universal esteem. And her great management of household affairs grants him much leisure to devote himself to the church and even the civil interests of the community. End quote. All this is the blessing of God that comes to this woman in part, increasingly. Incredible. This brings us to number six. She 
you think it would end there, but no, she, in verses 24 and 25, she excels. She even excels. Her wisdom and diligence not only leads her to, to not only provide for the needs of her family, she makes enough quality items so as to sell and trade. She cares deeply for her family, but her mind and vision go beyond them to the outside world where she does good for her family and herself. Matthew Henry explains, quote, the poet did not think it strange or unworthy for a woman to engage in honest trade. In fact, weaving of fine linens was a common trade for women in Palestine from antiquity for the welfare of the family, end quote. No wonder verse 25 says strength and dignity, that's her clothing, that's her clothing. And, and she smiles at the, at the future, it says. Her first priority wasn't what's in her closet or what she wears, she cares more about the display of her character than the outward display of her clothing. Now these two texts I'm gonna refer to here have to do with worship in the church, but listen carefully to the strength and dignity and the beauty of the woman of valor here in 1 Timothy 2, 9 to 10. I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. And 1 Peter 3, verses three to four, your adornment must not merely be external, braiding of hair, wearing of gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. So, when it comes to character, <laughs> she is one of the best dressed, clothed with strength and honor. And so because of the strength the Lord has given her, she will rejoice not only in the present day, but also in the time to come. She smiles at the future. Whatever challenges and trials may come because of the divine wisdom that's given to her. Ladies, do you smile at the future? Men, do we smile at the future? You see how this spills over, not just to the, the women, but to the men, because men, if we were just to, to, to try and live up to these truths here, we say, whew, I can't do it. I can't do any of this apart from the grace of God. But because of our sovereign God, because of his strength, because of his kindness, because of his grace, we can smile at the future. We know he's on the throne. We know his perfect care for us, no matter the trial, no matter the challenge. This brings us to number seven, in verses 26 to 27, she teaches and manages. The description here we see of her inner life continues from the previous verse concerning her strength and dignity. She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Spurgeon puts it this way. Both her deliberate speech, she opens her mouth, and her spontaneous words on her tongue 
are marked by wisdom and kindness. Her teaching and managing are motivated and informed by the loving kindness of God, end quote. Which brings us to a quick observation of this word kindness. This word kindness you find in your Bible is the word chesed. It's, it's that covenantal, faithful, loyal, unconditional love of God that's been shown towards us in Christ. Absolutely incredible. It's the same love, it's the same loving kindness in which God told Hosea to lavish upon Gomer, who was a harlot, and said, marry her, be faithful to her, stay with her. Unconditional love. That's the kind of kindness we're talking about here that this mother has. This faithful, covenantal, loyal love. I just want to read this briefly, uh, just regarding the kindness of a, of a mother to, to pray for, for her children uh, faithfully and to teach them day in and day out in the home, life's lessons. Um, I'm, this is from a book called Devoted, Great Men and Their Godly Moms by Tin Chalice. Really encourage you to, to have this. This is a, a great, encouraging resource for, for all of us. It says, because John, that is John Spurgeon, because John Spurgeon was so busy with his work and so often engaged in caring for the souls of his congregation, much of the responsibility of parenting fell to Eliza. Though this concerned John and at times left him feeling guilty, one experience assured him that his children were in good hands. During a time of busyness, he cut short his ministry to return home. And this is his log. John says, the father of Charles Spurgeon, I opened the door and was surprised to find none of the children about the hallway. Going quickly upstairs, I heard my wife's voice. She was yelling, just kidding, <laughs> doesn't say yelling. <laughs> she was engaged in prayer with the children. I heard her prayer from, for them one by one by name. She, na- she came to Charles and especially prayed for him, for he was of high spirit and daring temper. I listened till she had ended her prayer and I felt and said, Lord, I will go on with thy work. The children are cared for, end quote. So there's a note on Charles Spurgeon. He was high-spirited and of daring temper, yet his mother Eliza prayed for him nightly by name, and that comforted the father, the husband. So, coupled with her teaching the law and grace of God, she looks carefully over the ways of her home. Oh, does she? Oh, does she? She's indeed a warrior. She's merciful and forgiving as she teaches, instructs, corrects, manages. Men, can we feel the the sting there (laughs) at all? And the shepherding and the shepherdessing of the family. No wonder we have verses 28 to 31. 
That brings us to point eight. She's praised and rewarded, verses 28 to 31. Please notice, both her children and her husband not only see, but also speak of the blessedness of the woman who brings such blessing to their household. Wives and mothers today are desperately underappreciated in our society. But the Bible does not tell us that society should bring honor and praise to them, okay? Let honor, let, let honor and praise from the world and the society go ahead and give it all to the, the Kardashians, the Taylor Swifts, the whoever. Let them do it, okay. Not for the mom. The Bible doesn't tell us that society should bring them honor and praise. That task which ought to be done with great joy, great sincerity, and great frequency falls to the husband and children. Lemuel here closes his reflection on the excellent wife in this way. Quote, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Guys, this morning, that is, today our modern equivalency of that would be what some of us have on your t-shirts and your mugs, best mom, world's best mom. There's your your modern day equivalency. That's That's how it should be. A wife and a mother deserves praise from her husband and her children. Her great reward has nothing to do with finances or fame or anything else in between. It is something far deeper, far more meaningful. Her reward is the praise of those who love her most. It is the praise of those who see her at her best and at her worst. It is the praise of those who see her life of service It is the praise of those for whom she has labored and sacrificed. But even as Spurgeon goes on to say, quote, if men be silent in this task, the lasting effects of her prudence and diligence will loudly trumpet forth her praises, end quote. And so as for the deceitful charm and the vain beauty that our text mentions here, well, a woman who fears the Lord, guess what? has beauty that does not pass away. And she has a charm, but it is not deceitful. She's not only a Mary, busy with good service unto the Lord, she's also a Mary walking in the love and reverence of the Lord. She is both. She is both. A couple of points of application this morning. Proverbs 31, and if I haven't made this clear enough, I want to make it clear now. (laughs) Proverbs 31 provides a model, a model, a perfect Christ-like model, which none of us can live up to, okay, but a model of what a life well-lived can in habitually pattern-like fashion look like. This is not a snapshot of a young mom doing it all and having it all. This is not also a to-do list for women but it is a painting of what wisdom, again, looks like when wisdom rules the life. It is descriptive rather than prescriptive. It describes 
what a God-fearing woman is and does over the long haul for the family God has given her and the people around her. So that brings us to application number one. Ask the Lord to reveal a deficiency. Ask the Lord to reveal a deficiency. Just with some of the points that we've gone over. Am I trustworthy? Can my husband trust me? Do I work hard with joy or with bitterness? Does any of my in-home love emanate to the church, the neighborhood, beyond? Am I compassionate in my responses to the kids and my teaching? Am I proactive and prepared or do I live anxiously and on the whim? Is there anything I know I should manage better for the good of the family Is there a plan of action for that, you know, that that one thing I've let go? Do I have a habit of impulsive buying? That's my problem, by the way. Uh, do Do I criticize, tease, belittle my husband in private or in public settings? Does something need to change regarding schooling so I can better serve the family? All these things and more that you, between you and the Lord and your family, pray over, ask these questions. Rather than, again, seeing it as a guilt-producing chapter, please, joyfully see it as a clarion call to point to some areas where God can bring about growth. How any individual woman exemplifies these characteristics will depend, of course, on her situation, her station in life, her gifts, her abilities. It will depend on those things and it will be seen differently in different homes. Be careful not to compare home to home, mother to mother. You compare it like this. This is how you do it. It's simple. You ready? The key is verse 30 of our text this morning. That's it, and that brings us to point number two. Fear the Lord. Women, if you're fearing the Lord, if you're walking in the fear of the Lord, do what you will do insofar as it's in accordance with the will of God, with scripture. Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord means Proverbs 8.13, to hate evil. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is just the beginning of wisdom. It means you live to please your creator and savior, not man. Right, dear ladies? You live to please your creator and not man. You don't have to prove yourself or glamorize yourself to anyone. You don't even have to have a platform like Instagram or Facebook and you don't have to be Pinterest worthy either. You just have to fear the Lord. That's it. What does fearing the Lord look like? I just want to give us one text. If we want to walk in accordance to the will of God, according to the word of God, just one short text for what it looks like for women to walk in the fear of the Lord. And perhaps you know where I'm going. Titus chapter, say it women, louder. Chapter two, Titus chapter two, verses three and five. Here's the pattern. Here's God's will for the church and for the God-fearing woman. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior. 
not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Praise the Lord for that. And praise the Lord, we have a, I would say we have a church that, that walks in accordance with this. <laughs> praise the Lord for that. Like, and some of you might be thinking, oh, workers at home, well, I don't work, I, you know, I, I, I work outside. Did you just read Proverbs 31? Do you see that? You can have an outside job, you can, so long as is the home your center focal point of devotion? Are things being left behind there? Working through that, that aspect. There's the picture of the God-fearing woman right there. Titus 2, verses three and five. This fearing and loving your Lord, this is what he calls you to. This is worthy. This is beautiful obedience. Last point of application for us this morning. Men and children praise her. (laughs) See, the only instructive language in this entire poem here is directed at its target audience in verse 31. (laughs) Praise her, you men and women. Praise her for all her hands have done. There's There's this ancient tradition, goes back before Christ, of the Ahava, where the men would actually memorize this portion of scripture and they would sing it or quote it for all the women, all the women present at certain festivals. It's quite amazing. Praise her for all her hands have done. This must be exemplified by the husband, by the father of what it looks like to praise her. Must be exemplified. And it must be taught as well because we are often an oblivious family and a thankless, discontent one at that, right? Husbands, fathers at times? Certainly can be. We need to teach ourselves, to teach our children to praise her, to thank her for who she is and what she's done. Husbands, remember Proverbs 19, 14. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Husbands and wives, remember Proverbs 12, 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is like rottenness in his bones. Men and children, take note of who she is and what she does and let your sincere written and verbal praises, thanksgivings, hugs, and kisses be the best fruit and product that her hands carry. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, the, the, the virtuous woman is, is evident in both character and action as we see and And what's striking to us is the selflessness of this wife, this mother, and how these truths, Lord, ultimately point us to yourself. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Lord, as we see, all she does within the home and without is for the good of her family, to the glory of her Savior, and all her motive, all of her motivations is in and because of you. In the ups and the downs, in the fun and exciting days, and even the mundane affairs, Lord, she gives you the glory. So Lord, may all of our aim be to please the God who saved us. May we be the husbands, the fathers, that do what your word has called us to do, to praise you for her and to make that known to her. All because of you and to the glory of your great name, we pray these things, amen.